This episode of Long Story Short is brought to you by V8. What I love about V8 is, first of all, the taste. It tastes delicious. It's a perfect on-the-go snack. It's only 30 calories. V8 has one full serving of vegetables in every five and a half ounce can with no added sugar and only 30 calories. Perfect for me and my daily on-the-go routine. And also, it's just a great after-workout snack. It's full of electrolytes. I make a killer gazpacho with it. And, and I didn't even know that it's so high in potassium. It has as much potassium as a small banana, which is really great. And now, here's the newest episode. Iconic makeup artist. Beauty industry revolutionary. Entrepreneur. Bobby Brown is all these things and so much more. Throughout her career, she has crossed paths with some of the most accomplished people at the top of their field. These conversations are a look into their inspiring lives because everyone has a story. This is Long Story Short with Bobby Brown. Today on the show, we have Lisa Lampanelli. Is that how you Lampanelli. say it? Lampanelli. Lamp? Lamp, like a lamp. Okay. On today's episode, I have Lisa Lampanelli, who is best known for being a stand up comic who really loved to insult and drop a lot of bad words. And she is no longer doing her stand-up routine, and she has changed her entire life based on helping people feel better about themselves. She is now a life coach, and I can't wait to talk to her about what it was like getting surgery and changing her entire appearance. Well, what did you know about her before walking into this? Did you know anything? I really didn't know that much about, no, I did not. Did did you? No. I really didn't even know what to expect of what she looks like. I, I had Googled her. I had seen her before. And when she walked in just, you know, wearing just kind of these, you know, very casual outfit with blue hair, I thought, oh, here's a cool girl. You know, very interesting. I mean, she's definitely her own person. I love you. My, my notes. Not that I need them, but it's my comfort zone. Oh, I have so many questions. Yay. Thanks so much for doing this. Yeah. I was so happy to get the email. Check, check. Can you hear me? Caffeine is for degenerate sound check. Sound check. Well, I'm trying to experiment with different CBD oil for like nighttime to kind of help me chill. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. I I never tried anything. I'm such a wimp. I don't even. Oh, my God. I've never even. I've maybe smoked pot twice. And I've I, never done a drug or uh, I hate really? booze. How old are you? Uh, 57. Okay, I'm 61. Yeah, I mean, I just was like, really? Very, we were brought up so weirdly strict that I, I was always scared of everything. Huh. That's why food became my drug, uh, you know, which is, it won't get you arrested. Right. Normally. Yeah. Except, uh, you know, I did get pulled over once for a food related incident. <laughs> we can talk about that so if wait, you want. So, it's well, I think funny. we see these guys just turn on and don't tell me when it's on. So, oh, well, we already started talking. How so dare you? I know, right? They always do that. And I always I, think they're going to edit it out. No. And they don't. The podcast I used to do, I'd say just leave the mistakes in because yeah. the audience likes to know right. we're fallible. Yeah. Because we sure are. We sure are. Yeah. So, so you almost got arrested. Because of food? Well, it's you kind of food. funny. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you are a comedian. So are you I wanna... taping this? Oh, no. I, I think they're rolling. Oh. No, I'm not a comic anymore. Well, you are. Once you're... Uh... Well, I'm still funny in what, what I do. Well, you're yeah. 
You're not a comic anymore. Yes, I'm retired in November of 2018 oh, on the Howard Stern Show. Well, first of all, uh, I, I I read that, but first of all, is a comic or comedian? What's you the know proper? What? They used to say a comedian is somebody who tells jokes. A comic is someone who's you know just it, it was funny and i was always like just call me i don't care what you call me make the check enormous right because yeah. i love money i think it's terrific but it's like when people would call me oh you're a cosmetologist oh, i'm yeah. like no i'm not really a cosmetologist well like people right. who are like i'm not a massage masseur i'm right. a massage therapist i'm like well, just, if you're i don't care just have my ending, back just you yeah. know <laughs> i'd be happy to partake with that oh. so yeah. before we go back to your beginning because i have a lot of questions about that yeah. what tell me first the story you started to tell me oh you just well, have to we tell were me. talking off the air about yes, i think it was I'm, on the air i didn't like i've never liked the taste of booze so i never got addicted to booze and i said my addiction has always been food and I said, so, because you really aren't going to get arrested for eating. And then I did get pulled over, though, once. I remember having to do with food because I had skipped dinner before uh -huh. a show in Easton, Pennsylvania. I know what you're thinking. Quit bragging, Lisa. So <laughs> I'm driving home, and I'm ravenous and starving. This is before I lost my weight, of course. Um, and I pulled over to 24-hour McDonald's, which is like Mecca to me. So I order my Hello Kitty Happy Meal because I'm petite, uh -huh. you know, and a McFlurry. <laughs> and honestly... I, as I'm driving, I am eating that McFlurry, and I don't know what we're allowed to say on the air, but I can imagine how a guy feels now when they're licking somebody down there, because <laughs> I was enjoying the F out of this McFlurry so much. I it's hear, just a milkshake. Oh, no, it's, it's, it has stirrings. You put in Reese's Pieces, oh. and this and that. It's the most delicious I'd thing I'd rather ever. have a martini oh, or bet. two. So I, draw, <laughs> I hear sirens behind me, and um, the cop says, do you know why I pulled you over? And I said, no, I don't drink. I, I wasn't texting. And he goes, your car crossed the yellow line twice. <gasps> oh. And I was like, oh, my God, I got pulled over for driving <laughs> while fat. So I got oh. a DWF. <laughs> but it was really, it's funny, like all those little events add up to a wake-up call. I was like, why am I like just dying for food right now? So yeah, it, a lot of different wake up calls led me to kind of changing everything in my life. So your 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 journey with health and wellness and mm -hmm. body and all that is really defines you. Yeah, it I mean honestly, you. it was like when did I start using food for something other than you know um, medication? I started using it for as a friend, as emotional support, as sort of the you know. Uh, cure all for loneliness. And right. then eventually at age 50, after every diet and exercise change on the planet, I was like, okay, you're going to take this back to ground zero, get weight loss surgery, work on the emotional part, because that's what makes most of right. us, I think, gain and lose weight because we're driven to food by emotions. Right. I well, never buy it when people in my workshop say stuff like, well, I just love food. It's like, mm, so does the, so do the French. Right. But right. you see all those skinny whores over right. there. Yes. So, yeah. so grow, you grew up in the suburbs of Connecticut? Yeah, I grew up in Trumbull, Connecticut. In Trumbull, My mother's Connecticut. still in our same house. Okay. And your mother um, has a had a very interesting job. I thought it yeah. was fascinating. What did your mom do? My mother was a police. First of all, she started out as a crossing guard, but then she got bumped up to being a record secretary. So she would go in every day with a little police uniform. And it's weird to see your mom in a police uniform. <laughs> and she, I, I guarantee you, she took that job just so she could look up every guy I dated oh. to see if they had an arrest record. Right. And only one did. Aww. And that was not really thrilling for my parents. But she got to write up all of the crimes, right? Yes, yeah, she had to type everything. But right. in Trumbull, Connecticut, right. what's really the big crime? Oh, 
uh, two swans were banging by the side of the road. I informed them. You know, it's not really that hard yeah. of a town. But, but at least when you asked her how her day was, she had something interesting to tell you. Right, right. Yeah. I was, it was so funny because my mom, I credit her with why I'm still a good storyteller. Mm-hmm. Because this woman, she literally would have 90% of the time, God bless her, I love her, I hang mm-hmm. out with her. Not Nothing that interesting to say. Right. Like not yeah. that much happens. She would make you feel like it was fascinating. Aww. I would be staring at her and like, even now, right. she calls me yesterday. She won $15 at bingo. <laughs> it was life changing when she called me. It felt so Aww. good. She was so happy. And I go, Aww. boy, I'm glad even though we have stress with our parents yeah. that you're able to go, oh, what gifts they give right. us. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. So what number, you? there was three kids in your family. Middle, well, of course. Second. Yep. Right, I yep. like, I have three children, so he's my second. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, okay. Yep. And your dad, what did he do? Um, he was a fine artist. The thing is with my dad, he was always, of course, he had to have a job. You know, right. it was depre- right after the Depressionary. You know, you're in the 50s and 60s. You work like, uh, you know, the, the offices, I'm sure, were like in Mad Men. And um, he was always, though, he worked at Sikorsky Aircraft as a contract negotiator, but he always had a very soft personality in a good way, very humble, very vulnerable. And I remember he always painted beautiful pictures. Mm -hmm. And at age, I think it was less than 60, he had had a little health scare, but it was nothing fatal or anything. And he was just like, I'm retiring. And for the next 30 years, all he did was paint. Mm. And so he, his, you know, paintings are in a, I set up an exhibit in a college in Connecticut where he Mm. went. And then we also have it in all our houses. And I'm just like, oh, like I'm so happy he got to do that. And that's why when uh, this change came along for me to go, I'm not going to do comedy anymore. I'm going to be a life coach and I'm going to give workshops about feeling better about yourself. I'm like, oh, dad quit what he did and went forward fearlessly. Right, so you just dropped the word retire. Because I didn't, I quit my job and I didn't retire. Oh, no, I retired from stand-up. Well, you don't know when you're going to have an urge to go stand on stage and be funny. Well, I'll tell you the truth. Well, because I'm doing storytelling events, that kind of fills that part of it. Yeah. So the storytelling is more sort of a, where stand-up can be viewed as sort of set-up punchline, the story has an ending. Right. So if I'm on stage, like say for instance, um, I have a show in um, a playhouse in Richfield, Connecticut, which is coming mm. up. Um, me and a fellow survivor of the fat, right. we come out, we tell stories mm. that are really heartfelt, but right. also really funny about what we've gone through. So you could sort of s- still laugh, but still see right. the full circle right. of how life has changed and how it's changed us. Mm-hmm. So I like that. I like that form of entertainment. Right. So were you a chubby kid? Like when did no. this went? So when did this? That thing happened. Yeah, it was wild because as a kid, you know, like I, we're Italian. So, of course, my mother's house is like the original Olive Garden. Right. Unlimited soup, salad, uh. pasta every day, all day. <laughs> and uh, it was always my mother had this prejudice against skinny people. And she would always say, eat. The fat people are good. The skinny ones don't freaking trust God, my them. My mom was the opposite. I know. She's like, don't eat that. You're getting fat. Oh, that's hilarious. Because so my mother loved story. us fat. You know, uh. she loved it. But so, but that, but I had the metabolism, I guess, of, you know, a hummingbird. So yeah. until I went away to college, I sort of figured it out through a lot of therapy. When I went away to college, I just wasn't ready. Mm. I was so sheltered as a kid that I had total freedom and I ran amok and I honestly burned bridges and made enemies and literally food was the only company right. I had. And I said, okay, that's when the up and down, up and down started and I've literally been through every program. I mean, I committed myself to a 28-day food rehab. I mean, 
It wasn't even court ordered. I right. mean, not yeah. even by the cop who pulled me uh, over for DWF. And you tried Weight Watchers. Oh, all of them. Scarsdale. Oh, like, Let me tell you something. Yeah. This Weight Watchers, it uh-huh. says for Weight Watcher, gain it all back. Uh-huh. And the whole thing is none of these fix you. And then after I decided, look, Lisa, you're 50 years old. You have tried everything. You have a clean slate. Look in that mirror. You can live with yourself if you emotionally work on this. And so that's why I said, weight loss surgery, keep the weight off. I kept it off seven years so far. And what people don't understand, it's nothing to be ashamed of. And it's just a tool because you all know people who gain it back. Right. Even with the surgery. Oh, God, yes. And with the surgery. And, you know, we've watched a few people do it. You know, you wonder like, okay, they had their stomach stapled and they're bigger than ever. So you have to change your eating habits. Not only that, I think the emotions are huge. Like every day, like I say now to people, don't worry. I'm going to be 80 and still working on this. Mm -hmm. So even yesterday, I have to notice I come home, something's, it's not annoying, but say I had a little uh, disappointment during the day. I've got to go, am I reaching for that food, despite its healthy value or what, even if it is a healthy something, am I doing this because I want to fill the hole inside or I'm legitimately hungry? And again, Half the time, well, not really, but about 80% of the time, I'm good. 20% of the time, I fail. And if we go for perfection, as you know. There is no such a thing. And I, I, it's taken me a long time. I've kept my weight down Mm. because it's not about being perfect. When you try to be perfect, there's no such thing. There isn't a such thing. Yeah, Yeah. I think we're really lucky that at these ages we have that we're like, oh, it's okay not to be perfect. Because right. as a comic, I was always like, well, I have to keep selling huge amounts of tickets. And if I don't sell out Madison Square Garden, I'm a freaking loser. And if I, and I'm just like, wait a minute, who's applying all this pressure? So tell me about the pressure of worrying about selling out Madison Square Garden. Oh, well, I mean, come I, on. I just made that No, no, up, no. But, but honestly, yeah. it's like, that's a lot of, like, people don't understand the amount of pressure oh my God. that famous, successful people go through. Well, I'll tell you what, the, the Madison Square Garden example is really interesting because I always went to the negative when it came to comedy. So, for instance, I sell out Carnegie Hall, and we left a lot of tickets on the table, meaning there was still a lot of people in New York who wanted to come out. So um, the promoter said, let's do Radio City in the next month. So, of course, I would go home and I'd tell my parents. My mother goes, oh, how are you going to sell all those tickets? (laughs) And so I said, don't worry. So I sell them out. But do you know, instead of being happy that night, the promoter came up to me and meant no harm. Mm Mm-hmm. He goes, wow, I'm so proud of you. Next, Madison Square Garden. And it completely deflated me where I'm not even enough now. So it's always feeling like it's enough. Right. But that's he didn't do it. That's how you were feeling. Of course. It's it's how I take things. Right. Why? Was was it your mom? Did she not properly tell you what a beautiful, wonderful girl you were? After all the years in therapy, I'll tell you, I figured it out. I think. Thank God. My parents never underpraised us or overpraised us. We were just fine. Like, mm-hmm. they were, oh, great. And they never, because I'll be in all these groups, you know, and they'll be like, my dad told me I'd never amount to anything. My mother told me I was a piece of crap or whatever. And I go, why am I effed up if my parents didn't do that? They role modeled it. Mm-hmm. They didn't like themselves. Right. So you're in this environment where these poor people who are struggling and didn't have therapy available to them aren't showing you how to live self-esteem. So it's nothing people say, it's the energy. Mm. So I said, oh, and you know what that helped me do, which I'm so happy. 
a compassion for them. Right. Because go when my mom annoys me, even now at 89, I go, this poor thing. She yeah. went through something. It is. I mean, it, I think that is like you hit the nail on the head. It mm. is compassion. And you look at your parents and they do annoy you. Yeah. And uh. I don't know about you, but my parents, the older they get, they're turning into teenagers. Oh. Or children. Yeah. Yeah. My mother, this is so funny because we finally had to take her car oh, away. Oh, dad, I'm sorry if you're watching. You're, you're <laughs> like a hot teenager dad. <laughs> there okay? you go. <laughs> Fix me up with your dad. <laughs> no, but um, he's available. Yeah. But it's so funny with my mom now, we ha- finally had to take away the car. Hmm. And she tries to misbehave. It's hilarious. And part of me, my sister gets more annoyed. I just start laughing because I go, this poor thing feels captured, you know? And now, of course, she's learned to embrace it. So she has us all jumping around for her and driving her everywhere. So I go, we're all just, even our parents, we're all just dented cans, just trying to bang out the dents from the inside. And I love kind of being able to look at them and go, you know what? If people could do better, they would, including them. So so now you're a life coach. Yeah, I'm How getting do, certified I, I, by right, Martha Beck. Okay, I was just yeah. going to ask, because I am a health coach. I went mm-hmm. back to school and got my degree. Nice. So the difference between a health coach and a life coach. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, put it this way. Anyone who's been through the uh, diet and exercise mill throughout the years could probably write three books on it. So you know every rule, right. every trick. Yeah. But uh, my expertise is more having a handle on sort of the internal limiting thoughts and dissolving the thoughts that hold us back. So the workshops I give on, say, I do one on change, on food and body image, it's about saying, okay, what is intervening? That thought that gets in the way of the action forward and dissolving it, because you know that stuff comes from age one on, and you just go, okay, that's what we're going to work on the internal. Um, And what's funny is the more I'm supposed to work on my issues Hmm. is those the people who keep showing up. Right. I'm working with one guy who's working so hard on being vulnerable with women. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have to work on being vulnerable with men because I'm not. There's another person who's working on grief. And I'm like, oh, my God, my dad died, you know, five, six years ago. I'm still working on grief. So isn't it interesting to heal them? Excuse me, not to heal them, but to help in their recovery I got to work on me. Well, it's the same thing if you ask anyone who got their degree as a health coach, Mm -hmm. which is a new, you know, a totally new career. Sure. You do things and you help people, but you're actually helping yourself. Yeah. I tell people to drink a lot of water. I got to work on it. That's something I got to do better at. Yeah. So, and I know that. And, you know. It's great because, you know, her motto really is you have to, you really have to walk through it with them. And you're their window, not their light. I love that. So are you one-on-one or you have workshops? I do workshops on those two areas I mentioned, plus I'm developing one on female friendships Uh because over the age of 40, we are so damaged that we don't, every friendship we attract is helping us work on us, our issues too. Mm -hmm. So those I I developed, but also the one-on-one stuff, I got to tell you, I never knew how fulfilling it was I mean, it just tickles me. Like, I love by the end of the call, like I'll call and I'll be like, oh, my God, suppose nothing comes in my mind. Suppose nothing comes over me. And by the end of that call, I hang up. I go, I thank them. But at what at what point are you not going to have to, like, doubt yourself? I think you always have to have that little humility because with comedy, I think once that humility stopped for me where I was just like, that's eh, fine. There wasn't that anxiety, that little cute mm. titillation of like joyful right. glee. But when did you when did you decide you wanted to be 
a comedian? Did you, when, and when did you figure out that you were funny? Oh, well, at 30, I had I was a journalist for many years. I had gone to Syracuse for journalism. Did you graduate from Syracuse? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's where one of my kids are. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I was like, oh, I want to be an editor. I want to write feature mm-hmm. articles. I wrote a, I worked at Spy Magazine, Rolling Stone. And it always sort of was in the back of my mind to try comedy. But I was like, oh, how do you do it? Like, right. how does that even occur? Mm-hmm. You just stand up there. And someone at Rolling Stone said to me, I'll never forget it, Steve Futterman, who I loved. He, he goes, listen, it's a very self-centered occupation. All the attention's on you. It's horrible. And I'm like, that's for me. (laughs) Like, I love it being all about me. So at that time, I was like, okay, I can learn. I took a little comedy class from this guy. And I was like, just how to structure it a little. And um, thank God it kept working out time after time. So where was your first? Open mic was New Haven, Connecticut at Joker's Wild. Uh And it was like one of those things where it was the sign from the universe to continue. I killed my first three times on stage. I killed, and then the bombing started. Yeah. So it was almost like the universe knew that I needed some good uh. stuff to go, okay, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. So how'd you deal with the bomb? I was so ashamed and so full of embarrassment and shame. And how'd you know you bombed? No one laughed? Crickets. Okay. Like, really? literally. Okay. Nobody yelled, like, you suck, but crickets. And then I was like... I was lucky enough where I had that resilience by mm. age 30 at the time. I go, you know what? I can quit this anytime I want. Right. It really, I don't have to do anything. Like I can find a different career. Let me figure this out. Let but me how, go back one more time. But how different were you when you were when you killed it to when you sucked? Like what was oh, the difference? Huge. I sure I was concentrating on the words right. instead of being present. Like it's all this <clears throat> right. way we bomb in real life, right? Mm-hmm. So I was going, oh, I have to replicate that exactly. So that's why now when I'm coaching somebody one-on-one, I can't try to replicate the right. agenda. Mm-hmm. That's a great question because I never thought about that, how it ties into each other. The other parallel I see is that when I started comedy, oh my God, I was like, I'm a comedian. And I had such joy and that wanes over the years because it becomes a job, it becomes right. money, it becomes pressure. And every time I'm on a coaching call, I feel that way now. Hmm. And I get off and I go, ooh. Like I just got off a call, as I said. I call my best friend who's a coach and I go, oh my God, it was so much fun. And she's like, this is what Aww. you were meant to feel. That's so cool. Yeah. I, I bet you'll go back to comedy somehow. Oh, well, we're, I'm doing storytelling shows. Yeah. I won't ever go back to insult comedy because right. I just don't think that's... You're not, you don't feel mean anymore. Well, but, I, but my, my comedy was always out of love anyway, right. like Rickles, you know, and I, I get why that was great. Did you ever meet Don Rickles? Oh, yeah, a couple you times. Did? The Friars Club had me uh, meet him twice. <gasps> and he, what was that gentleman, like? Gentleman. Wow. He, this was the best Isn't thing. Isn't he still alive? No, he died a couple of years ago. I wrote his obit for the Aww. New York Times. Oh, my God. Yeah, now, was how old really, was he when he died? I think 92 or 93. Okay. Yeah. God bless him. He wow. was literally the funniest person who ever lived. He was. That and, was my next question. Right? Yeah. And off stage, he was just like me, just normal, mm-hmm. sweet person. And his best friend's Bob Newhart. Uh-huh. And Newhart comes off the nice guy. Right. And Newhart would always say, guess what? In real life, I'm the mean one. Huh. Rickles is a sweetheart because I think... Insult comics, we have that big, mushy heart. Yeah. Because you can't make fun of everybody mm-hmm. unless you love everybody. Right. But now it's not as if um, I still can't incorporate humor. Every workshop we give, me, I have a partner who I do them with because she does the yoga component, the meditation component. We laugh because we go, every evaluation says, thank you for melding humor with 
this. So I'm not up there making fun, but I'm telling my vulnerable story, which is, I mean, it is funny, the stuff I've gone through, because we all have humor in us. Yeah. And if you don't find it funny, it's painful. Exactly. I mean, I'm sorry. You have to laugh. Well, Alan King said comedy plus, no, tragedy plus time equals comedy. Mm -hmm. So the time I have to look back on those years of college that I, you know, had totally looked at food and now I can describe it to somebody in a real vulnerable place that also has a little humor. That's why I think it's working for me. So, you know, could I have kept with comedy to make them happy? Yes. But can we make us both happy? This is better. Right. You know? Yeah. And that's honestly, you when you get to a certain age, you realize that's what it's about, yeah. making yourself happy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. I just can't believe I look in my book now. I literally look at my calendar and I'm like, there's nothing I dread. Because mm. even like press or phone calls to, you know, radio stations or this or that. With comedy, I'm like, oh, God, now I got to be funny with this Because you got to be on. Yeah. You got to be on. Now it's just like, oh, I can talk like me. And if yeah. they don't like me, that's okay. Yeah. Because I'm sure you had to go through this letting go of what people expect, you know? And well, I, I learned the secret early on, mm. which is if I can't be myself, I don't want to be doing it. Why bother? Right. Which is why I don't go to that many events anymore I mean, because I, I just don't want to wear high heels. Horrible. Yeah. I did an event for the Oscars that was very low level. It was really cute. I did it with a best-selling author friend of mine. It was just literally like yeah. for a film festival, helping them raise funds for um, their festival. We did the dumbest stuff. It was the greatest because I like wore a meat dress and I like put on a Gaga wig and then I dressed as Mary Poppins <laughs> and then I sang Spoonful of Sugar and then we did Shallow and I went up as Brad Cooper with the peed pants and everything. Uh-huh. And I go, this was the dumbest thing, but that's who I am. Right. I have that silly, goofy. stupid, yeah. goofy side. But fancy event. And oh, by the way, the high heels, that's what it brought it up. Flats the whole time. Well, you're it, tall. But if I can't wear flats, yeah, I ain't right. comfortable. Yeah. My nephew's wedding, right. I wore flats. Yeah, but you're tall. I'm five foot tall. Yeah, but your soup's cute. I'm, I might be cute, but I'm five foot tall. <laughs> so I'm sorry. I need. I'm you glad know. you're owning it. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, glad okay. you're owning I it. I am. What can I do? We what can't can hide who we are. No. No, we can't. We but didn't events, did you ever, because I never was comfortable at fancy events, not the dress up part, mm. but like even like I was invited, thank God, this is one of the best nights of my life just on a family level. Got to the opening of Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Just by the grace of God, the producer really likes me as a human right. being. So I felt a very good connection with the family of producers. Well, that's why it was good. Right. It wasn't because I was with stars. I, were you ever comfortable going to these events? You know what? I, first of all, I've done makeup for actresses when they go. So yes. I've had that experience. Mm-hmm. I also, you know, have, have gone with friends who are, you know, like I used to go with Yogi Berra, who are bigger, you know, bigger yeah. than I am. I used to watch yes. that. And then I started being on the red carpet, yeah. and I and what I, I I was fine talking. What I hated was worrying about how I looked. Uh, and you know, I look back, too. and sometimes I looked fine, and other times I didn't look fine. But yeah. you know, I still, unfortunately or fortunately, do those things. So mm-hmm. I become, you know, I, I dress more comfortable. Yep. I'm, yep. I, and I look better. I wear less makeup. And I look better now than I did when I was, like, trying to be someone else. Yeah, I have to agree. I probably – I wore a dress on Wendy Williams last week, which is very odd for me because – But Wendy wasn't there, right? Right, right. Um, And I was like, okay, this is what I wear in every interview. I wear um, a vintage tee, a flannel, and some kind of fun jeans. 
and um, usually the fur shoes because why couldn't just you have worn that really... on Wendy if you wanted to? Oh, I've done that. Oh, you before. have. Okay. Um, and I said, oh, let me. I saw because this is me. I'm at Forever 21 because now that I'm thin, I get to dress in uh-huh. Forever Slutty One. And I said, okay, <laughs> I'm going to actually wear this thing that was on the mannequin, which was a dress with the flannel tied around the waist, so cute, and army boots, and it looked really good. But I said to myself, I said, isn't it funny how I used to force myself into the dress all the time when I'm like, I don't mind showing up like, you know, who Lisa really is. Right. Because this is kind of gone. Right. You've got blue hair. Yeah. Have, how long have you had blue hair? About four years. Okay. I love it. All right. Because I used to, when I was on the roasts and the, the Comedy Central, everything, the long extensions, right. the makeup. Yeah, it looked really good. But when you're super overweight, you concentrate a lot on how it sucks you in right. and the garment. Now that I don't have as much worry, right. I go, you know what? Accept me this right. way. And it's okay yeah. if you don't like it. Right. So how how much weight did you lose? 107. You had- 107 pounds. Yeah, I kept it off. Wow. With a lot of work from emotional uh, mm-hmm. drama. So how is your diet different? Well, I very rarely eat sugar, but I will tell you one thing. If um, I go to a birthday party and there's no cake, they die. <laughs> because are you kidding me? Like if a person says to me, um, would you like to celebrate your birthday with a nice walk? I'm like, is there food on the walk? Because like, right. come on, I will never not look at food as celebratory. Right. But have you, but there are, I mean, as a health coach, there yeah. are sugars that don't bother you as much. Oh no, of course. And of course. to me, it tastes better. Like cake doesn't taste good to me. Cookies don't taste Listen, good to me. I'll never be that chia chip. pudding tastes great to me. See, this chia. Good chia pudding. Oh, oh this my God. Chia. It, it fills you like up. A, a cottage cheese in the mouth here's how i feel about food i go to a functional medicine doctor and um with the surgery you have to be really careful because you eat such small volumes it has to be all with a lot of energy in it Mm -hmm. and a lot of uh green powders and this and that great so i go as long as i'm getting my nutrients then 20 percent of the day i'm like i'm gonna have the cookie i'm gonna have the popcorn because for me it's not about again we talk there's no perfection but it's also the problem with chronic dieters, deprivation. Right. You deprive yourself, then you're going to go off the deep end. See, I don't feel deprived because I don't want it. I may, it's almost like Pavlov's dog. Yeah. I'll look at bagels and cake and cookies, and I'll, I'll, I'll say to myself, if I eat that, I'm going to go into a coma. I like, agree with you. I so love I don't that. eat it. I love that. All right. I am shocked at the fact that mm-hmm. I can drive through a Dunkin' Donuts because that's right. I live in Connecticut and that's all they have. And get like a tea, you know iced tea or right. a, you know uh, soy latte or whatever, and then go that bagel and you learn the difference between mouth yeah. hunger and stomach hunger. That bagel will later make me fall asleep. Mm-hmm. It'll make me feel like I'm going to throw up. It'll I'll probably be able to eat four bites right. and that's it. Go home, have the right thing, right. or get the right thing from mm-hmm. thank God in Fairfield County. Right. It's all these fancy organic joints, and just grab it. Right. So. I talk myself mm-hmm. through it, yeah. but, but that would be emotional eating to right. me. And if I was your health coach, I'd say make sure that you are not hungry mm-hmm. and make sure you have eaten something healthy every couple hours. Yes, so, I do. Yep. You know, those things make a difference. Oh, yeah. I eat at least six times a day small portions because I can't right. physically hold right. it down. But that's the difference. So if you open up a thing of popcorn, mm-hmm. how much of it are you going to eat? Well, the thing with popcorn is, ache. let me tell you what these weight loss surgeons tell you that right. they're smart to tell you. If you want to gain this weight back, you'll find a way to. Right. So foods like popcorn, chips, milkshakes, ice cream is all stuff you can suck down. 
So I have to look at those. I got to go, you know, that's a danger one. Limit yourself. Mm -hmm. So we eat a little bag of the skinny popcorn or this or that. Yes, am I going to go to the movies and have that popcorn? Absolutely. I don't even go to movies for the movie. I'd rather grab the popcorn and get in my car. And I've had so many stomach aches from that disgusting oh oil. God, I love it I so don't much. eat it. I want to like rub it on my body yeah. right oh, no. now. I will eat a bar with fiber <laughs> yeah. and I will be full when I go to the movies and I won't eat the popcorn. Here's my problem with yeah. emotional eating. I associate that movie so much with that popcorn. I'll eat the fiber bar before, be full, and be like, I don't care. I'm having it anyway. This is what I say. I'm easier on myself. Guess what the boundary is with me? You can let yourself off the hook. You can yell at yourself. You find the sweet spot in between, and you go, I can hold myself accountable. So if I look in the mirror at the end, and I said this, I gave up cursing off stage for a year after my dad died because he never liked cursing. And I said, I'm going to do an experiment. I go, if I can look in the mirror at the end of the day and go, dad would be proud, uh-huh. then I'm happy. Right. So now I curse all the time. Anyway, <laughs> uh, no, but I say to myself, with the food I ate, with the 80% really mm-hmm. sound and the other 20 today, I look in the yeah. mirror and go, awesome. As long as it serves you and you still yep. feel good. Yep. That's the difference. I'm, so Yes. You I'm, know. Well, I, f- I have to follow what that yeah. My rotten doctor says all the time. I mean, that that whole giving me energy, food as energy, is, is crazy and new oh, to and me. And by the way, it's beauty food. It what it's what like makes our skin look good. That's why I'm so pretty. It is. I it mean, is. look at me. And the blue hair and the pink lipstick. I know. It's very pretty. All the guys in here, even the yeah. gay ones, are like, hot uh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have dinner parties? Do you do you, oh my God. are you a cook? Uh no. No, but I host like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. I bought a house on the water in Connecticut and it's way too big for one person. So my whole thing is like, oh, I have to fill it up. So we have to have game right. night every 10 days because so, I wanted it started as a place for me to have my mom get out of the house. So I have a friend pick her up. Then I like scare up like 10 people and we just have some food and they bring it and I, you know, either order stuff or I cook some simple thing because I'm not good at that. My sister's an awesome cook, but we love to host. There's Mm. something about that full house that I love. Have you been on Jerry's game show? You know, doesn't he doesn't he do game night? Who? Jerry Seinfeld. You know, that that guy who's kind of funny. No, 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 no. No, I love Jerry, but I thought game night was. uh, Did I get the comments? Jane Lynch. Huh? Oh, is that Jane? Yeah. Okay. Well, Jerry is a different comedy show that he has people on. No. I, oh, yeah. No, no, no. No, no on that. network. No, on regular network. He's, huh. I didn't know that. Maybe well, I'm wrong. you okay. know, now that I'm out of that business, I'm not that attached. Like, okay, I don't, gotcha. I don't, I'm not aware as much. Okay, I now don't I'm, wait. You know, it's not Jerry. It's, it's Alec Baldwin. Oh, yeah. oh, match game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And again, I, I'm not as aware as stuff. Right. I mean, but, but trust are you still me, doing, are you still doing those kind of things? Are you still, no. you still have an agent that's putting you up for those things? Yeah. And yeah. I just tell them no. Really? If it resonates with me, I want to do yeah. it. So like when your show called, I was like, oh, that resonates with me because uh-huh. she's gone through the right. same thing. Yeah. You know, I was curious about you in yeah. this aspect too. I go through this now. When when was your um, switch? About what? It, uh, how many years? I left Bobby Brown Cosmetics October of twenty of sixteen. Okay, yeah. so you're you know a few years. Yeah, mine's obviously a few months. I still get annoyed, and I shouldn't. And mm-hmm. it's something I'm working on when I get the messages like, "So when are you going to come and do Indiana?" When are you coming over? And you go, you you my first because I don't deal with not being heard very right. well, and I'm working on that. 
Of course, the old Lisa would have dashed out, you effing idiot. Didn't you know I retired? It's only been all, all over everywhere. You're so fucking stupid. So, of course, then I just respond, put them on the mailing list like they ask right. and go, this is fine. But do you deal with that? It took a while because, mm. you know me time. I mean, I shouted from the rooftops. Yeah. We'd, I did press. I did everything I yeah. could do. And people still don't want to believe it. And then I realized, you know what? Being at that company allowed me to send, you know, 20 different kids to college. I got to do, a, you wow. know, all this great thing. So I am like, you know what? That's value to me. Yeah. And so now I'm like, thank you. But, but I left the company. And, yes. when, and I love it when people email me or DM me and say, the lipstick was discontinued this. I'm like, not my job. Yeah, not, not no my job. Not my problem. Well, it's funny because yeah. I will do I, – I was shocked how much my fans embrace this change because – a few, of course, were like, you know, no offense to anyone where they live, but they're more the bridge and tunnel type. The the guys who are yeah. like, dude, you ain't going to call me this no more. Uh. And yeah, God bless them. I'm Thank God they paid for, uh, you mm. know, my dad's hospice care. Right. They, they paid for my house, you know. So I'm super glad I did comedy. But I was shocked that people go, I get how you change from one thing to another. So isn't it interesting that we are shocked happily sometimes yes. too? But I don't like when people say, oh, you retired. I think the word retired mm -hmm. is just such a negative word. Hmm. Because first of all, I didn't retire. I'm busier now than I've ever been. And I'm doing right. more things than I've ever done. And I'm also more joyful than I've been in years and years and years. So you did not retire. No, no, I never say I retired. And it's hard to say yeah. you transitioned because, no, that, because means, I, uh, that means well, so many other things in life. Breaking news, I'm... Getting a penis, everyone, <laughs> as if I didn't already have one. Uh, well, I have, um, I, have four, I, I have four of them, but they're my sons and my husband. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's interesting who goes with you on the journey and who doesn't. I always had, I honestly did have a huge fear about announcing it to the biggest audience of the world on Stern because I thought I'd get a lot of crap because Howard took it so seriously and paid it so much homage. I said, "Wow, they took his clue." So I think it's who you tell. But the thing is, how. you think everyone heard it on Stern. I didn't hear oh, no, it. That's where it, it started. That's where, it started. That's where the press okay. started coming in. So we didn't reach out to any press because I go, whoever's supposed to find me will. That ended up Dr. Drew, Wendy Williams, Dr. Oz tomorrow. You know, there's um, these big like sort of spirituality podcasts, which I was like, oh, my God, yeah. they get me because I honestly was like, they're going to thank who she to fit in with right. us. So, think, so what was Wendy Williams about? What well, was twice the topic? I did it. The first one was about, she had, they had seen it on mm -hmm. Howard because they love Howard. And she, they go, we want to do like an in-depth thing with you about how this happened right. and what led up to it. And then last week uh, with Wendy, it was about, um, they said, you know, can you come on and sort of coach some celebrities? Like not right. there, but just be like, what should Khloe Kardashian do or whatever? And I love that because I don't make fun, but it's still fun. Right, but that's you, that's Lisa being... An entertainer. An entertainer. There's a far different from being a stand-up comic with a microphone and set up okay. punchline than saying, Chloe, you're really did it working on this, and it, right. but it's saying but, in an entertaining way. But that's way. not retiring. That's I never just, said I was okay. retiring. It's okay. retiring gotcha. from stand-up, I promise. Okay, gotcha. No one will ever... Gotcha. And, and you know what? I agree with you on this, yeah. which is great about you. Busier than ever. Right. You are so right, because guess why? 
the passion, right. the joy, and the time. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the time. Right. So it's like, oh, for years, all the calls that would come into my office, and now people are like, I tried to book you for years. I wanted you to do this. No one ever told me because I was booked oh. already. Wow. So, yeah. See, yeah. that's why I think those opportunities come up right. now. I mean, the, I'm uh, doing a podcast. I barely look at notes. I don't do research. I don't know anything. No, I read your things in the car on the I don't, way in. I don't I read do. theirs. I, I do. I don't trust either right. one of them. And then I Googled and I okay. thought it was your mother, you know, working at the police. Academy. <laughs> I love that that's was so, even somewhere. No, yeah. but it is. It's, it's on, I Googled and it's very interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's cute. Yeah, really And by cute. the way, I don't think even she knows I quit stand up. Because I just don't tell her right. anything because this is my mother because I have eight nieces and nephews because, of course, she loves grandkids more than she loves her kids. So I'm if I said, Mom, I'm not doing stand-up, I'm doing life coaching, she would go, do you know I heard from Luke? Uh-huh. <laughs> because she's like kind of like can focus on what the little kids are doing. But yeah. God bless her. I'm Aww. playing cards with her Thursday. Aww. <laughs> yeah. So do you know my friend Caroline from Caroline's Comedy? <gasps> She was she was sitting in that chair. Can I tell you? It better be nice. Um, yeah. no, <gasps> it's stellar. Okay, shoo. She literally Aww, changed my life, really? and I'm going to tell you why. Friars Club, yeah. Caroline, Stan, uh, the comic strip, three entities slash personalities that changed my career because mm. they believed in me. Do you wow. know what it feels Aww. like to be some shermy little comic from Connecticut who tries to get into city clubs mm. and there's resistance? And then Caroline gets a kick out of you right. and lets you yeah. have a, every Wednesday. And then she brings all her. She had a, I remember when she came with all these very high class women, like real, like beautiful. Oh, yeah. She's Upper East Side. Oh, my like, God. Yeah. So pretty. She's fancy. And I'm like, oh, my God, they're going to hate me. They're not going to laugh because like, I never think classy broads are going to like somebody like me. They were laughing. Aww. And I said, this is so telling. Aww. I can't judge them. They're oh, not judging cool. me. Well, we'll take a picture and I'll send it oh, to her. Oh, my God. Yeah. She's literally one of my oh. favorite oh, people. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I just have a soft spot. And, you know, in the beginning of comedy, I had made up a list of people who believe in me in case I ever forget that I'm right. fine. And she was right oh. there. Her and Lewis, the booker at Caroline's. Right. Oh, and what about the nasties? What about the guys that were just... Oh, my God. Horrible. Horrible. They're... Okay, I... How do you deal with that emotionally? Um, horribly. I used to go home and cry all the time. I had a boyfriend at the time, and he would go, you want me to go down there? I'm going, no, it'll make it worse. And do you know, I went to a shrink at the time, and I told her about this one particular comic who was so mean. And she goes, he's your best teacher. Hmm. And I go, what do you mean? He's going to teach you how to deal with this when it comes up again, the, something that's high stakes, that's disappointing to you, that makes you sad. This broad was right. Uh, That's what you get with a Jewish yeah. shrink. Uh-huh. Higher one. Uh-huh. Because honestly, everything now I look at, every loss or every disappointment is a lesson. And I just mean in because like I go, boy, if I can deal with being rejected as on this level, some jerk tells me when you play in Indianapolis, I don't have to snap on him. Right. You yeah. know? And by the way, I'm not playing in Indianapolis yet, but, but you, check my calendar at least yeah, lampanelli.com. Right, exactly. We were, we were gonna, we were gonna get. <laughs> Just to that. kidding. First, I want to know about Joan Rivers. Oh, tell me about Joan Rivers. Well, I usually say there are three comics who are the meanest to me. She was one of in them? the world, and well, I'm gonna name them, and okay, you'll laugh fine. because I used to say to the audience, um. They go, they go, who do you hate? And I go, I don't hate anyone, like, from comedy, because they're all just damaged goods like me. And I said, but there's three people who are really mean to me, and you tell me what they have in common. I go, Patrice O'Neill, 
hmm. Greg Giraldo and Joan Rivers, and what do they have in common? And they all yelled, they're dead. And I go, and that's because they were mean to me, oh. so God doesn't <laughs> like them. But you know what I figured yeah. out about Joan, hmm. that poor thing? Again, compassion. Right, right. Said, I took a workshop recently. She goes, compassion and gratitude are your abracadabras. Hmm. They solve literally everything. Right. This poor woman, what she had to go through, her upbringing and with the poor husband mm-hmm. and uh, how she felt she couldn't stop and right. look at an empty calendar. I love when my calendar's empty. And I go, this poor thing had to be mean to somebody. I was a good target because mm-hmm. I was kind of doing a loud mouth thing too. And I go, God bless her. But it's so weird to mm-hmm. feel that instead of feel so sad because right. it was sad. Yeah. It was never anger. Mm-hmm. It was always like, oh my God, my hero doesn't like me. Yeah, that's that's terrible. Yeah, I mean, but, it could have know. been she was insecure. Here's a younger yeah. person coming up because she was the only one. Sure. I wonder what she would have thought of Mrs. Ma- Maisel. <gasps> oh, she probably would have liked it because it was a fiction. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but here's but, how I feel about anybody, too. Now that, hey, you know, I may, hey, spirituality people and self-help people, they ain't 100% involved e- right. evolved either like me. You know, we're still learning. Maybe there'll be somebody high up who feels the same way about me. And now I go, I could deal with it better because it's a lesson. Right. I've been threatened by people. I've been smart enough to keep my mouth shut, though. And I've supported them. And, oh, I forced myself in the past to be like, make sure you follow so-and-so. And inside I was really threatened by them. But now I'm like, okay, you know, none of us are perfect. We're right. just trying to bang it out, you know. So God bless yeah. her. So what advice would you have for people that are listening? What could someone do today if they could do one thing? I just like people that listen. I and love say, it. Oh my God, she told me to do that and it made a difference. What's okay. the one thing? The big thing is I have a friend who lost 105 pounds and he says, the only thing I miss eating are my feelings. Hmm. Literally, people, if you're going to food for any reason other than sustenance and some a little bit of joy, not the big joy, that shouldn't be your big go-to, ask yourself, am I really physically hungry? Because honestly, it really, for me, was very rarely physical hunger. And just be easy on yourself in the way of if you make a mistake, do not beat yourself up. Reset for the next meal. Not the next day, not Monday, the D-Day of diet day. Reset for the next meal and go, what can I do differently? I'm going to try a little better tomorrow. So just work on the emotional part of it because we're all trying to fill a hole with something. For me, it was food, relationships with men. I would always have a boyfriend. And then it became with money, with the Gucci and the this and the that. It's all stupid. Nothing, Gucci. Nothing. Well, you know what I mean, though, yeah. if you're using it for, right. to fill the hole. Right. Nothing fills the hole like self-acceptance. And that comes from working on you. So it's an inside job. And right. if you're really desperate, get in touch with me. I'll coach your freaking ass. And Well, actually, I do I do need your number because I have someone that I think that you could really help Aww. who I know personally. But where could people find you? Yes. So tell tell us where you are. Yeah, for one-on-one coaching, please go to lisalampanelli.com. If you can't spell it, I forgive you, but look it up. You'll get there. Um, so I do one-on-one coaching. I have uh, food and body image retreats and change retreats. 
and also some storytelling events around the country and that are really meaningful but funny too. So everything's on my website. And of course, social medias are my name. And I love Instagram, by the way. So do I. I used to hate this social media. Do you know how much fun it is to look like a jerk on social media? (laughs) It's a blast. I have great conversations with people on social media. I do. I love that. I just used to think it was just for kids who wanted to show off. And now I'm like, Oh no! I connected with somebody uh, who was happy. So you run your own Instagram. Oh, yeah. All right. So we will we will have to uh, Instagram be Instagram friends. Oh yes, I'm following yeah. you, honey. Uh, so what is your Instagram? <laughs> Lisa Lampanelli. Okay, it's pretty All normal. Right. I can remember that. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining. And honestly, oh. I cannot wait to see where you're going to be. Yay. And I know you will be on stage, being really funny, telling stories. Ah, uh, thank you. Yeah. You're the best. God bless. Uh, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was Lisa Lampanelli. Quite. A character, quite a funny woman, quite a sweet woman. I love listening to all the stories about people who have helped her, like Caroline, my friend from Caroline's Comedy. I was a little surprised that Joan Rivers wasn't nicer to her. Same. Because she was saying how that's like her hero. Right. It must be hard when your hero's not nice to you, but you know, that's how you learn about what's important in life. I have a feeling she's going to get back on that stage. Maybe not insulting people. Maybe a little more uh, positive humor. But I know she's. I know. I know you guys will be able to see her get on stage. And that's it for this episode of Long Story Short. If you like the show, tell a friend. Also, rate and review the show in Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions for me, email them to askbobbybrown at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Instagram at JustBobbyBrown and let me know who you'd like me to interview, anything else you want to see. Thanks for listening. This is Long Story Short with Bobby Brown, a Gallery Media Group production.